Hey, before we get into today's episode, I've got a quick message from my sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cloudways Hosting. Cloudways is offering 40% off for four months on all hosting plans. You guys, that is an incredible deal. And here's the sweet spot, up to 40 free migrations. So all you agency owners out there, jump on this. Again, 40% off for four months on all hosting plans, plus 40 free migrations. Use promo code BFCM4040 through December 6th. Again, that is BFCM4040 through December 6th. I will also have a link to uh, to the offer and the coupon code in the show notes. All right, let's get on to the episode. Hey there, it's Kim Doyle, and welcome to my show, where digital marketing meets real stories, experiences, and strategies. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what's working and not working in my business, as well as other experts who show up and share their stories. As much as I love talking about tangible marketing principles and tactics, we'll dig a little deeper with mindset and explore what's required to create a business you love on your terms that also supports your life. I want to help you understand the why behind the how. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just dipping your toes in, remember, marketing is a journey and the goal is to enjoy it. My desire is to guide you on your journey and remind you that no matter what life throws at you, you've got this. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. This one, this episode, guys, oh, we're going to get into it. Today's episode is episode 121, and the title probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is finally, someone said it, thanks, Dan Co. K-O-E, and I've linked to Dan plenty of times in the post, and you can just go to his website too, um, but yeah, this episode, um, <laughs> this was one of those hallelujah moments, but um, I let, let's just get into it because it's a doozy, and we'll see how <laughs> how long this goes, but um, this is going out. Thanksgiving week in the United States. So um, if you are listening to it around then, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and got to spend it with those you love. So um, all right, here we go. We're going to jump in and talk directly about the digital marketing and creator space. And this is a space where you can go from feeling excited and inspired to jaded and exhausted and within a few weeks, right? Something can get you pumped up or excited. Like, let's, let's take the hot topic of the moment, which is AI. Like we've all seen the drama of Sam Altman getting fired and then rehired at OpenAI and the board needing to step down and all that, right? So you, it's just the, the nature of the space. It moves very quickly, even for, you know, obviously that's a huge corporation <laughs> with billions of dollars in investment money. Well, billions of dollars, I should say, Valuation? I don't know what their investment is. Either way, um, what I want to do in this episode, I this whole thing was inspired by a video by Dan Coe, and I'm going to talk about that shortly, and some deep reflection and thoughts that I've been having about my business. And <clears throat> what I am going to do, though, is, well, I am going to do this, but I'm actually telling you what I'm not going to do. <laughs> So, oh, welcome to hanging out with Kim. But I'm going to stay away from the advice we've all heard about productivity and routines because I agree with most of it. And that's not what this is about. 
you know, consistency is important, publishing frequently, often, all of that stuff we understand. There's plenty out there. And I I don't know, productivity, I feel like that whole productivity space has gotten a little bit neurotic in the sense of some of the productivity tools and plans and notion things. Oh my gosh, just looking at them is exhausting. Like I don't want anything that's supposed to help me be more productive that takes two or three hours a day to manage, right? Seems a little bit counterintuitive. Guess how I feel about that. (laughs) I'm not going to be shy and I'm not holding anything back in this episode. So regarding the whole productivity and routine space, I also don't subscribe to the idea that there's one right way to do anything. There's only a right way for you. In the 15 and a half years I've had my online business, I can't believe it, I'm almost at 16 years, this blows my mind. Um, I have had periods of extreme focus and consistency, and then other periods where life has sort of knocked me on my ass, or I'm, I, I'm just not focused, right? Like, it's, we all have those seasons. <clears throat> In those moments, I simply did the best I could, albeit not without some self-judgment, which is something I'm always working on. And, you know, something else I've come to realize, you guys, there's going to be a ton of off script in this episode, I think. So sit tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) Um, It won't be bumpy. But I've also realized this whole idea of doing things, you know, the right way for you. I would love to say that I have lived by that mantra. I do things that I enjoy, not enjoy, it's not even the right word. As much as I'd like to say that I do things in a right way for me, I'm always still trying to do it right, which kind of sets you up for failure, right? If it's this ambiguous right way. So just pulling off the, uh, (laughs) pulling off the blinders for myself here. I now understand though, at a deep level that self-judgment is, is simply going to come up. It is part of being human. My goal now is not to feed the judgments. And as my mentor often says, acknowledge it, bless it, and move on. Don't attach to it. Don't feed it. And the best way to not feed self-judgment is to ensure that I'm true to myself. This can be really tricky in the digital marketing and creator space. So here's what I mean. And well, I'm, I'm going to stop pre-qualifying. Who am I kidding? I won't, but let's just try. I have zero use for regurgitated content from 20-something men who have done listicle posts about the creators, the books, and the gurus who have inspired them most on their journey. Why? Because they consist of lists made up entirely of the same men. I Just once in a blue moon, there's like a new voice and a fresh voice. But more often than not, it's the same men getting the same accolades over and over and over again. Now, hang on, don't leave or roll your eyes thinking this is going to be about bashing young men or the men they follow. Because this is not to take away from what the men they follow have accomplished, rightfully so. And the truth is, we all have experiences and perspectives that contribute to who we are and how we view the world. And so who am I to judge what drives and inspires someone else? And just because I've been in this space so long, things that feel tired to me don't mean they're tired to someone else. And this is that knowledge bias I've talked about before. The bottom line is that these things don't resonate with me because I'm not their target audience. 
I know, duh, right? (laughs) At least not in the sense of demographics. A few key points if you're new to the podcast or haven't heard any bits of my story or whatnot, but I was widowed at 32 with a six and a two-year-old. I am now 53. So the last thing I have ever needed was anyone telling me to work harder. I have strong work ethics. I did when I worked for someone else. I do for myself, let alone hearing that from men with no responsibilities to anyone but themselves or a wife at home who took care of everything else. And yes, I know I'm being a bit of a martyr here, but also hashtag facts. Okay. So I'm going to run with that one. At one point, I subscribed to Western culture's mantra, you are what you have and what you do. As a proud Gen Xer, the war cry of the 80s was success, right? And it wasn't missed on me. We're always supposed to be striving. So, sorry, (laughs) I had to pause and toss something at the dog. It was barking to get her to stop. Um, So, I mean, I I think back to what was, there was a movie with Michael J. Fox, The Secret of My Success. And it was always about climbing. And you stop and think about, you know, um, oh my gosh, now I'm totally drawing a blank on the movie with Charlie Sheen. um, uh, Charlie Sheen and Michael Douglas about success and Wall Wall Street. Was it Wall Street? Maybe it was Wall Street. Um, Sorry, I got super crazy distracted with the dog who would not sit still and stop barking. Anyway, it was drilled into our heads. There was actually a store, and and I'm totally dating myself here. Um, Was it called Successories? Where you could go get these motivational posters, and they were all quotes and all of that. And I was totally into all of that stuff. I really, really was. Um, Because again, we were supposed to be striving. And you know, I read something. I thought this was very interesting that Gen X women were one of the first generations to be told that we could have and be and do anything, but we were still also supposed to take on the traditional roles of women and get married and have children and take care of all that too. I don't know, you know, six to one on that. I'm going to re-summarize the few key points here just because to get myself back on track. So bear with me because the dog really <laughs> triggered me there. Oh, and I swear I meditated today. So widowed at 32, got that one. Subscribing to Western culture's mantra of success, you are what you have and what you do. Uh, Life experience, now we're moving back on. I'm back on track. I really wish there was a better way to say this, but most women I know who are my age and older, around 50, really care a whole lot less about what other people think. This is when we start caring a lot less about what other people think. While at the same time, having a far more compassionate and empathetic view for people in general. At least I know I have and the women in my life. And fortunately, knowing enough older women, you know, like my mentor said, and it just gets better, which is phenomenal. I have also accepted that life is hard. Life is unfair. Life is messy. (laughs) I believe most people are genuinely doing the best they can. Life goes by a lot faster than you think. It really does in my head somewhere. I'm still 38. I don't know why because my body says the hell you are. (laughs) Life is beautiful. It is amazing. We are all worthy of love and belonging. Thank you, Brene Brown, for driving that one home. There's always something to be grateful for. And meditation is magic. Uh, I would say, you know, as a nutty Harry Potter fan, and fan of, well, I want to say magic, I think it's that sort of ethereal possibility of magic that Harry Potter and Disney and all of that encapsulate. 
But so much of my journey has been about trying to do what others were doing. And I don't mean that I was trying to be someone else, but but when I hired a coach or bought a course or read a book, I would tend to feel like I had to do it exactly like it was being taught. And instead of instead of saying, eh, this doesn't resonate with me, or nah, I'm not digging that. Um, you know, so instead of of taking it in, processing it, and saying, this works, this doesn't, right? I mean, after all, it worked for them, so it should work for me, right? Here's an example. So last year, I invested five figures in a coaching and training offer. It was a combination of courses, one monthly call with the creator, and weekly calls with her coaches. Fair enough. It was pricey, but but the value really was there. The content was great, and her coaches were well-trained and very knowledgeable. It was a, It was a great community, too. One of the strategies they taught was to require an application for a free webinar. This did not resonate with me at all, but I did it anyway because I'd committed to doing exactly what she said. Needless to say, it fell flat. Other things needed tweaking and adjusting, and really with marketing, it really is a numbers game at some point where it's the more people you can get registered, the more data you're going to have, and the more you can figure out what worked and what didn't, right? So this whole thing translated into zero sales, and there was a lot of effort and energy that went into this. And this is not to say that her strategy and program didn't work. I want to be really clear on that. What didn't work is that it didn't feel right in my body, and I did it anyways. And this is me stepping into something that is a little bit I don't know. I'm just going to start talking more about this stuff, but is energy. So the energy I brought to this whole offer was there was a level of insecurity, I think, that that I brought to the table with this. And and that's that's going to translate. It's going to and and I don't care what anyone says, but you pick it up. You pick something up when it how many times have you attended a live stream or a webinar or a workshop? And when that person is juiced and they're so passionate about it and there's there's this energy and this level of trust that you can feel, right? And this brings me to what Dan Coe said, which felt like a massive hallelujah moment for me. You are the niche. More specifically, this is a video and I've linked to it in the post again, or you can just go to his YouTube channel. But it, The title is The Most Profitable Niche is You. Create your niche of one. Like I said, I'm going to share more about Dan's video and my takeaways in a minute. But first, I want to share where I've struggled in owning this. Until now, because your girl's done with what doesn't work. Okay, that's my sort of public declaration. Um, The first coach I ever had was when I was starting my business in 2008. I jumped in in March and of 2008. And I had found this guy through a Mark Victor Hansen CD set. Listen to this guy talk about internet marketing, subscribe to him, blah, blah, blah. So when I jumped in to start my business, I just, I knew I had to hire him. That was a definitive. And I'm going to pre-qualify all of this to say, I'm not judging having done these things. I'm not judging myself for having invested in that program last year. It was incredible content. I massive value. I learned a lot. 
And I'm also not judging myself for hiring this coach. You know, we don't know what we don't know. So hiring him was a $5,000 investment. And I'm, I'm jumping, I'm going to condense this a little bit here. His advice was to make a list of ideas. Now, this was before I had my website or I'd become the WordPress chick. But so come up with a list of ideas that I could build a business around sort of. And I, I don't even know if this was included on my list, to be honest with you, but it came up in conversation. So here's the too long, the TLDR, right? Too long, don't read. He suggested I work with my brother who has expertise in saltwater aquariums and fish and to make videos of him doing his thing and sell DVDs. Uh, excuse me? Squeeze me, what? What was that from? Or is that just an 80s thing instead of excuse me? Squeeze me, what? Anyways, now I will say this. I remember eh, within a few years of being given that ridiculous advice that two other guys did something similar and they got their DVDs into Walmart and kind of blew up like with every Walmart fish tank that was sold, their DVD went out, whatever. Here's the thing. It wasn't that it was a bad idea or it wouldn't work, but I could have given a shit about saltwater aquariums or fish. I always admired my brother's tanks. They were super impressive, but that's about it. I could go over and be like, wow, beautiful, pretty fish, nice coral. Appreciate what it looked like. I had no interest in in anything to do with saltwater tanks or fish or whatever. But basically, this coach advised me to create a business I had zero interest in because there was a market and it would sell. Are you effing kidding me? I, like, horrible, horrible. And here's a big difference that I do see this being a differentiator between men and women. Men can say, well, I don't care what I do as long as it works and I can make money because it's the game of the business, right? And I'm not saying all men and I'm not saying all women, okay? Most women I know need to really feel a connection to what they're creating. Nobody, most people, otherwise go get a job or be a freelancer and go create content for any business that's willing to pay you, okay? And there are plenty of people who are like, I just want the job and that's great. Needless to say, I didn't take his advice. I with I was still working with him when I discovered WordPress and fell in love with it. Uh, the WP chick was born. Of course, the time you guys have all heard the story where I bought the domain name, the WordPress chick. I still own it. Um, and I got a few years of that until WordPress contacted me and said, "Hey, you can't use WordPress in the URL." Gave me a few months to flip it. So there you go. Ignorance was bliss for a few years, though. Um, but let's just say this. Here, here's an interesting thing, and this comes back to trust. So this mentor, this coach, had this in-person training, and I went with a friend, and that was a whole interesting experience in and of itself, but he told me that WordPress really wasn't a good niche. And at the time, this was, I think, I think it was 2009 when I went to his in-person thing. So it was within a year, right? It scheduled that. Um, and he was telling people to use, I think it was front page. You guys remember that? <sighs> to create websites. So fast forward, and I'm just going to share this fun little stat from, <laughs> from good old Google. WordPress powers around 810 million websites as of 2023. This represents around 
43% of all websites, and that figure is growing rapidly. In fact, over 500 sites are built with WordPress every day compared to just 60 to 80 on competitor platforms like Shopify and Squarespace. That is a November 2nd, 2023 fact, okay? So here's the thing. My, my point in sharing this story with you is that I, I trusted myself to stick with WordPress and the WordPress chick. And mind you, this person's websites are all on WordPress now. I, I trusted myself enough to stick with it. But I questioned, I questioned myself, I doubted myself. And the crazy thing is that WordPress was a lot harder back then than it is today. But I liked what I was doing. I think that was the differentiator that kept me going. So here's where I've struggled. I talk a lot about doing things in a way that works for you. But like I said before, in many ways, I I haven't done that. I have played it safe when it comes to what works for me. Following that mantra when I started was much easier because ignorance really was bliss. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I just created content about what I was learning and I was sharing it. I didn't have, I didn't have an audience. Well, it was growing, right? But it's like, I, I wasn't following, well, influencers didn't exist at the time, but I just didn't have any outside noise to start making me doubt myself, which outside noise is always there. So it's it's finding that place within yourself that says, I'm doing this and not feeding the doubts. Just like I shared that, you know, not attaching that my mentor teaches me is not to attach to the feelings, not to attach to the judgments. So the crazy thing is I was kind of, quote unquote, building in public before it was called build in public. Although it was much more about building a brand versus building a product. And then fast forward a few years, and I knew enough to be dangerous. This is when I really started comparing myself to other people. I had a lot of doubts. I dealt with some trolls, but I kept going. Enough people were finding what I was doing, that finding what I was doing as helpful. The sentence sounds botched, but you get it. And I was having a ton of fun. The game changer for me was launching the podcast, the WordPress Chick Podcast in 2013. At that time, there were only a handful of WordPress podcast podcasts. <laughs> so it was easy to get some traction. And because I started my podcast simply to have fun, I mean, I was not focused on how to monetize it. That came through in what I did. I also know that my personality comes through and I was relatable. People could relate to me. I alternated between solo shows and interviews. And this really helped me find my voice and created great relationships in the WordPress space. Now, here's the crazy thing about finding my voice is that I did it through writing. Because as you guys can tell, I kind of go off script and, and kind of all over the place. So one, I don't want to read a podcast. I'm I'm I've got the post in front of me. But I'm not obviously reading it verbatim. At the same time, you know, my personality and my energy just because I had to write the show notes out first, it helps me stay on track, but then I get to pull me into it, right? I know podcasting is a great medium for me. Podcasting video is a good medium for me. And I, I just, I, I had fun. I still have fun. Um, when I pivoted to my personal brand in 2018, I was doing that because I didn't really want to talk about WordPress anymore. I was shifting to content marketing and I would say I probably shifted a few years prior, but I was still doing everything under the WordPress check and I knew it was time to make a move. However, I was still playing it safe, 
right? So, and I would highly recommend, if you guys are listening to this, you're going to want to take a look at the post because there's a uh, a screenshot that I'm about to talk about. So we're going to go back a few years. And I don't remember when I had the site mock-up done. I'm I'm thinking it was between 2013 and 2017 because this was like, if you look at the screenshot, the Kim Doyle logo is not the black one, just the print one I use now. It's, it's red and blue. Um, but the point in sharing this is because I want you to take a look at the content and messaging and I'm going to share it here. So <laughs> you don't have to just pretend. Um, and the funny thing is I look at this and I'm like, Oh my God, it's so busy at the time though. I friggin' loved it because I just think that the value of white space was not quite what it is today. I love a lot of white space on sites. So a couple things, this, uh, it just, the message, so much of it, so much of it is different, you guys. Um, so I'm sharing this specifically because of the messaging and the language. At the time I had worked with a woman, um, and I'm not hiding her name here because she's not doing this anymore. So therefore I'm not going to give out her name or site or anything, but I worked with her and it was such a great experience. She helped people come up with naming of things. And so she helped me come up with, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and share a couple pieces here. So I've got on, on the mock-up underneath the navigation, there's a section and it says voice and vision and it's voice plus vision. And then the tagline says, find your fit in the digital media world. And then it says, which I don't know about the grammar here, but that could have been a design thing. Share your unique message, showcase your expertise and expose your brand to new audiences. And then this is where it starts getting like, oh, different language, podcasting for visioneers. Okay. I loved that term visioneer because I'm, I'm a Disney fan. I, I don't know how much of a fan I am of the corporation today, but the whole idea behind what Disney, Walt Disney created. And he calls his, his, let's say designers, artists, creators, cartoonists, whatever they were called. They were, are called imagineers. And I just, Loved it. That's the kind of stuff that really speaks to me. And even on the same, so on the mock-up at the time, instead of the WordPress Chick podcast, it was voice and, voice and vision podcast with Kim Doyle. The opt-in was five ways to unleash your voice and vision. And there was an audio and a PDF. Um, and then I also loved the tagline, which is do business as only you can do, which I've used at different times, but never stuck with it. Because there is this thing of, but what does that mean, right? That's what you're going to get from people who focus on copy. But it's a pretty clear statement. Run your business the way you're the, the way you can do it. Nobody else is you or than you, right? Dr. Seuss. But this is where I really started to pull in more of what lights me up, but I held back. And I would say it really wasn't until I did F the Hustle, which then became the spark, that I started pulling in language that felt more like me. And you guys know, I write the way I talk. And so I use Kimisms, for lack of a better word, uh, Kimisms and phrases all the time. But not when it comes to products and services. Um, you know, I, I get the clear is better than clever. I have studied enough copywriting to know that there's a fine line. And I promise we are going to get to the most profitable niches you here in just a second. But what I loved about this direction, about you being the niche, is that there's this testing ground where you can find out what really resonates 
instead of saying, what's my niche? How am I supposed to talk about it? Anyways, I really have held myself back out of fear, fear of judgment, others' opinions, and a fear of blowing up what I've spent years creating. You guys, it took me this long from 2008 until the fall of 2023 to say, women are my audience. And I know I have men on my list and I have men that follow me and I was so afraid of turning them off and getting this mass unsubscribe. It really took me saying, who is buying from you? What are you doing? It is what it is. So I think that's also being more clear, right? Saying I serve women, probably more women over 40. Not that women under 40 can't get value from what I do or I wouldn't work with them. But, and hey, if you want to fast track, man, that's one of my favorite things about having relationships with older women. I'm like, please, can you give me a shortcut? Some things you can't, you just got experience, but six of one. Here's the rub though. If what I've created isn't exactly what I want, why am I holding on to it? Why not blow it all up? And obviously, I'm being a little dramatic here, but you get my point. I'm not going to, you know, it, it's not like I'm turning my personal brand into a gardening site, but it is time. It's time to do what I've been talking about for years, which is just show up. My, my mentor had asked me, do you have a personal mantra? I'm like, yes, it's just show up. The difference is when I came up and it's hashtag just show up, right? When I came up with that, it was about show up and do the work. Just keep showing up and testing and trying. Now it's a much bigger mantra, an internal mantra, I should say. So it's like show up the way you want to show up. Be true to yourself. Can you do that? Before I explain what that looks like in my business, let's circle back to Danco and his video that I felt like you guys, I felt massive relief because I validated something I have been thinking and feeling for years, which is the most profitable niche is you. Um, like I said, massive validation. And it was also like a weight off my shoulders. So when I was the WordPress chick, WordPress was my niche, right? And before I pivoted, I sort of landed my sweet spot in marketing and WordPress. For a while there, I jumped, you know, um, head first into Genesis. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of you WordPress people I know are going to remember Studio Press and Genesis. And I had a unique way of breaking it down and simplifying how to use the Genesis framework and the Studio Press themes. And I was not a developer. I will say at the time, hat tip to Brian Gardner, because their forums, I learned a lot. People were so giving. I, you could ask questions because I'm not a developer. And I have no desire to be. Um, and I, I, I got flack from people be, for not being a developer. And I think that, you know, calling myself the WordPress chick, this is again, ignorance was bliss. It was a big claim. Like, shouldn't I know everything about WordPress? Shouldn't I be a developer? Shouldn't I be contributing to the community? And I'll tell you what, guys, I think that you're going to find toxic people in every community. And there was a lot in WordPress, as much as it's supposed to be community-based and all the fields because it's open source and it's free and people contribute to their time and energy doesn't mean there aren't, you know, numpties there as well. At the time, though, when I kind of found this sweet spot, I think my tagline at one place was a place where WordPress and marketing collide. Um, not many people were doing this. WordPress was free and and there was almost, WordPress is free, um, and there was almost an anti-marketing attitude. God forbid you make money with WordPress because it was open source. 
And it was also a very male-dominated space. I think it still is. I think it's gotten better about women. But you guys, I'm going to keep preaching this, and I'm going to keep highlighting women. This is a side note off script. There's a um, an event and a marketer, and I don't feel like calling people out publicly unless there's a real need for it. But um, this marketer has a phenomenal business, focuses in the e-com space, and has an event every year. And they're selling tickets for next spring out of 30 speakers. I think there may have been four women, two of which are friends. And I'm just like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Moving on. I, don't, I ho- hope to see some balance in my lifetime. So at this stage, it's my responsibility to do what I can do, right? And amplify women. But again, because I wasn't a developer and I had zero coding skills, I still have zero coding skills and zero desire to gain any. I was talking to the everyday user who just wanted to use WordPress for their business. When I moved into content marketing under my personal brand, that sort of became the niche, which was content marketing. But even then, that was not all I wanted to talk about. I shared a ton about social and content. I created the content creators planner with Jody Hirsch. I have another content planner, but that's honestly... Even that space, it's, it's just feels like, oh my God, am I still talking about this? And you know, here's a little thought because it, I always wondered, and there are people that are so passionate about something that maybe they can talk about it forever. And I know that there are, well, some of the stuff that I don't talk about, I could talk about forever and we're going to get there. But when I think about people that I found when I first started my business and I first got into this space, those people, um, I stopped following them when they didn't evolve and talk about something else. And it, and so you kind of graduate beyond people that stay in that space. And that's not good, bad, or indifferent. I just know, like, I love not the shiny object, but I love learning new stuff. And I le- love seeing how I can apply it. So there is a balance between how do you take the juiciness that comes from, you know, really being drawn to something new, a new tactic, a new strategy, a new element of doing business online with foundations and fundamentals, right? There, there's a real sweet spot in there. I'm working towards it. I don't know that I have found it. If you have, please share. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But anyways, okay, there's so much more I want to talk about. So let's come back to, to Danco and the most profitable niche is you. I have listened to this video twice. It's about 29 minutes. But I loved it so much that I downloaded it. I transcribed it. And I've highlighted some key points. Um, I'm obviously not sharing all of the key points with you, but I want to share why they resonate so deeply. And it might sound weird because what I've done, um, some of these quotes, and they're all in the post, some of the quotes, I just, they might feel out of context, but they, I feel like they stand alone, but some of the language may not. So as an example, this first one, he was talking about, um, he had a Facebook ad agency and really had wanted nothing to do with it. Okay. So the quote is, and the third thing was I was never confident in my niche and that led to an immense amount of friction and shiny object syndrome. So again, he was referring to his Facebook ad agency he had started. And in this video, I think it's this one. I apologize. I I cut, I pulled a lot of the beginning part out, but in the transcripts, he talks about the different things he tried as he was figuring out the online thing. And he also shared that he didn't give a flying F about Facebook ads. 
This was kind of how I felt about doing WordPress sites, running an outsourcing company, and even doing done-for-you podcasting. I, And you know, here, here's a question for you. I don't know how objective I am looking back at this stuff. Was I that aware? I don't know. But I, I can absolutely, with 100% certainty, tell you that when I started my business, I never had a desire to have a service, service agency of any sort. But somehow I ended up with three because those business models looked more legitimate to the outside world, family, friends, in my head anyway. Because you guys, almost 16 years later, too many people still don't get what I do. Here's a great example. I had dinner with my girlfriends. These are friends from high school, elementary school in beginning of October, catching up as you do and, you know, going on with work, what people are doing. Nobody said, how's business, Kim? Because I don't think they get what I do. I really, I don't do websites anymore. And and that's not a judgment, but it is what it is. I've accepted that's just part of (laughs) being in this space. But it was crazy, you guys. I fell into WordPress websites because I was sort of learning as I was going. And yeah, I could do that. I did a lot of that. Yeah, I can do that before I knew what I was doing. And then I ended up hiring a developer and a designer because I loved the strategy. I love the consulting piece of it. Um, but I, you know, I felt like I went from having a job to creating a job for myself. And it that's that's not my zone of genius. It simply isn't. Okay. So just coming back to Dan's quote is that he never felt confident in his niche, which led to an immense amount of friction and shiny object syndrome. And I wonder, I, I heard that song in my head, wonder, wonder who, 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 who wrote the book of, I'm sorry. Okay, moving on. Um, but I wonder how many people that feel they've got this pull towards the shiny object syndrome of trying a new strategy or a tactic or always getting pulled into tools of, of different sorts. Don't judge me. I do love my tools. But I wonder how many people are stuck in that because they really don't feel confident in their niche. I wonder if that's a big piece of that. That's a big thought. All right, so let's move on. Um, here's another, here's, and I, I'm just going to keep repeating these quotes. Um, so here we go. Choosing a niche is the biggest problem ever in this creator economy. <coughs> Excuse me. I know this stresses so many people out. I mean, how many times you heard the riches are in the niches and... Everybody will tell you, you know, pick a niche, pick a niche, pick a niche. Um, it's you know what hit me though as I was writing this is that that's kind of the newer version of picking a college major. The idea that you're supposed to pick something to study that you'll do for the rest of your life, and that's the only thing you can do at the ripe old age of 18 is a little ridiculous. I remember listening to um, a book or an audio of Dr. Wayne Dyer's. And he was telling the story about a doctor who was in his early 40s, and he was super unhappy, didn't want to be a doctor anymore. And I think it was Wayne Dyer, it was a friend of his. And he said, well, let me ask you this, would you take advice from an 18 year old? And he said, career advice from an 18 year old. And he said, of course not. He said, well, that's essentially what you're doing. And there's this idea that you've invested all this time and money and energy into becoming this thing and getting this degree and you're smart and you're supposed to do something with that degree is, it sucks, right? 
I mean, the idea that we allow as kids, we explore and we try things and we pursue things and that's okay. But then when you become an adult and you have a job, you're not supposed to pursue those things anymore or they can only be hobbies. I mean, obviously the, the, you know, whole side hustle thing has shifted that a bit, but you know, I have another friend who I've talked about her multiple times on podcast and was interested in starting an online business when I discovered this and I had, I had built her multiple websites and whatnot. And even to this day, she wants to do something, but yet feels like I don't have a passion. I don't have this and I don't have that, but I'm like, you have an interest. You have tons of interests of things and you like to write, start fricking writing. You don't need to build a website. You can start on medium on Substack anywhere. Just start writing. And, and let go of what it's supposed to look like. Because again, I will say this probably multiple times for the rest of this. I've said it so many times on the podcast is that you get clarity. We get clarity through doing. Um, uh, okay. So anyway, all right. Next quote. Let's, mo- let's make this whole one person business a simple thing. One, build for yourself. Two, write for yourself. Three, sell to yourself. This is kind of the rule of one part two. How much easier do you think it will be to create if you're building, writing, and selling to yourself? Because you're going to be able to say, I don't like this, or this doesn't feel right, or selling, I don't want to be sold to this way. So it's a whole lot easier starting point, a jumping point, if you will. And instead of creating an arbitrary idea in your head of your ideal avatar, right? We've all done those exercises. Create your ideal custom avatar and we've done the demographics. I personally prefer psychographics to demographics beyond maybe women over 40. Um, And I'm not saying there's not value in those exercises and you can do tons of research. And it's like, it's kind of like when people tell you to list competitors, I'm like, and I'm not going to be super altruistic and say there aren't competitors. There are, but no, I don't see somebody doing the thing that I feel that I do or how I want to do it. So I don't know how to compare that. Or if I just go pick other people who talk about email marketing and content or newsletters, they're like, it's just, it's, it's like apples to oranges, right? So both fruits, but very, very different. And the part two that I was referring to of the rule of one is the copywriting rule of one which states that good copy should focus on one idea, one reader, one promise, and one call to action. I know Anne Hanley is a big proponent of this, and I agree. I just think we can take it a little further because until you understand, the more you practice doing this, the more you write, the more you start learning about copy and coming up with that one promise and the one call to action, it's it's you're going to get in your head with the formality of the structure, if that makes sense. So it's thinking all of a sudden it's like, instead of just free writing and then going back and saying, is this clear? What am I saying here? You know, instead of those pieces, then all of a sudden it's like, you're trying to come up with the rule of one before you even begin writing. Okay. So next quote, excuse me. There are millions of people with the same interests problems and desires as you. And you only need to find a fraction. As my friend Allegra says, amen, amen, amen. The problem is we don't give ourselves permission to explore outside the niche. 
So most people aren't going to write and create about every single thing they're interested in, but there's probably an intersection where your interests, problems, and desires meet. And again, you're not going to know until you do it, until you start creating. I I really feel and believe in with every ounce of my being that that is the sweet spot, especially with a personal brand. And I will say too that Dan talks about everybody should have a personal brand. I don't know that I agree with that or not. I I don't <laughs> care enough to to define an opinion on it, but I feel that when you come from that place of a personal brand or at least being the person of your brand. So example, you know, I've got two dear friends that I do these um bi-monthly, bi-weekly, that's right, twice a month, um, bi-weekly little masterminds with. <clears throat> Both of them have, one's business is under her name, the other one it's under her design agency, but they are the businesses. And so it's not like they're hiding behind an agency. Well, one, it is her name, but um, there's a piece of them that they can pull into it, right? Oh, this is what I love. And I'm also going to link to in the post, uh, Chanel Basilio, and I apologize if I botched her name there, who writes Growth and Reversed, which is an incredible newsletter where she does an, a huge case study deep dive once a week on creators. She's done one on Dan, and his growth was pretty um, exponential when it took off. And this is what I love. Next quote. But one thing made me stand out among all the others. That is, I didn't have a static niche niche, whatever you want to say. I think I keep flipping back and forth. Think about the people you're drawn to. No one is one-dimensional. The people I enjoy spending time with the most are those that I can talk about anything with. You know where you catch up with a friend and and you you get off the phone and it's like, oh my God, that was two hours. And we we talked about everything under the sun, whether it was, you know, I don't really like to talk about politics unless I'm talking with somebody who has the same beliefs as me, because I don't want to argue. Kidding, sort of not kidding. Um, sorry, not sorry, right? But I, I prefer to stay away from that. But for the most part, you can, it, we can talk about business, we can talk about spirituality or books or dumb movie quotes, relationships, travel, it doesn't matter. But those people that you can sit with, and you could just talk to them forever, right? And there's a there's an energetic connection there that happens. And so there's nothing in me that thinks that that's not a piece of what makes those conversations flow also, right? So it's not necessarily just the topics. All right, next Dan quote. I talked about whatever I wanted to in a way that was interesting to other people. How many times have you heard, read, listened, whatever, but a a rule in writing and copy is that nobody cares about you. You need to make it about them. But yet, why is it then when I share personal stories, and I've said this before, is I tend not to share the personal story or the shit show when I'm in it. I prefer to do it when I'm on the other side of it because I feel like I can give a better perspective. Can't say it's always objective, but I try. Um, but that's the stuff that resonates when I share personal stories, how it relates to my business, or a new perspective. Those are the things that strike 
a chord with people, right? Strike a nerve. I'm botching all kinds of analogies here. You get the point. I know like when, if I'm working with my mentor, I love her stories, whether it's hers or clients, but there is this element of, oh my God, I'm not the only one, or I'm not in this alone. And it's incredibly powerful. And those stories are what make me think back. Here's a great example of this, you guys. I think I talked about the Ethel Circle at one point on the podcast. And this is a Facebook group that my aunt invited me to. And I, I jokingly say, I'm not the Ethel Circle, right? Like when I hear the word Ethel, I think of my grandmothers who are both past, God bless them. Um, but I was fortunate enough to have them well into being an adult. And, um, but Ruth, what my grandmother Ruth, right? Or, or Patricia, which is a not necessarily from that generation specifically, but you know, Gertrude, Pearl, right? That's what I think of with Ethel. So when my aunt invited me, I was like, what the hell? I'm not old enough to be an Ethel. And then I get in the group and it's just kind of women over 50. So what my point in sharing this is women are, it's, it's a, it's an incredible group. And if you're on Facebook and it, it's kind, um, people share stories, they ask for advice. But one of the things that has been so helpful for me, I've shared, you know, that I have a challenging relationship with my son, to say the least. I haven't talked to him in a very long time. It could break my heart one day, and then the next day I trust what I've chosen to do. But reading other stories about women who are older than me and have had challenges with children, um, it's it's soothing is the best word. And there's this, oh, okay, you know, um, there's a deep relief there. And, you know, I'm grateful I've still got an incredible relationship with my daughter, not still. I don't know why I wouldn't, but you get the point. So there is power in sharing beyond the business. That's when people feel an affinity to you, to your brand, to who you are as a person. So those last three quotes kind of sum up the general idea of the video. I highly recommend um, reading it or listening to it, watching it, whatever. Um, and, you know, transcribing it, if that's your your thing. Like I wanted to pull out the nuggets. And to me, it's a lot easier to scan a document because I tend to listen to stuff while I'm working too, but to scan a document and sit with it and process it a little bit. Um, and so again, I've linked the video here, or you can just go to YouTube and search Dan Co. Um, the most profitable niche is you. That's the post title. And the only way to find out what is interesting to other people is to try different things. You have to be willing to hit publish on whatever it is you want to talk about. And I have held back from podcasts or guests or whatnot because it is, I worry like, oh, this is going to turn people off. Yeah, your girl's not doing that either. Mind you, I don't I don't see myself having a ton of interviews on the show unless it's somebody that I'm very excited to talk about moving forward. Anyway, I'm just, I'm having fun <laughs> using my voice. So there we go. When people started publishing online, like, I don't know when the first blog post was published. I guess I could have done a little research there, right? But if you look back, I think WordPress was created in, how was it, 2003, maybe 2006? I, so it was early, right? So 20, let's, let's safely say 
publishing 20 years ago. I'm not saying WordPress was the original publisher, right? There's a whole bunch of other things. But when, when that began, keywords, SEO, you know, niching down, all of that worked great for driving traffic. I mean, who remembers the days of social media? being an incredible traffic source, like for floods of traffic. I'm not talking about what we get today. And you have to be consistent to get traction on any of them. But, you know, and again, I'm not saying those things don't work anymore. It's just a lot harder to compete. There's a ton of content online. And then, of course, with the onset of AI, we're going to have more crappy content. So the biggest differentiator is you. You are the one that is going to make your site, your brand, your business different, not saying the same thing somebody else has said. And there's so many other quotes and, and things that I could pull from these transcripts from this video with Dan. I'm going to share the last three quotes and then a little recap of this. Okay, the first one. You need to take a step back, zoom out, and create your brand as something unique, as something that is you without attaching to any specific ideology, and instead create a holistic philosophy for your own brand. Again, amen, amen, amen. Your story, that's another quote, your story is what separates your personal brand apart because every single person's story is niche, individual, and unique. And last but not least, because you guys know I'm a huge fan of the future self creation and and that work with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. But this last quote says, Dan says, but if you don't have a vision for your future, how are you going to educate and execute in a conducive manner toward that vision? How are you going to take directional action to gain experience in life and pass that experience down? Um, here's why this struck such a nerve with me. And I also want to share before I go on is that Dan, in this video, so kind of past all of this stuff, he gets into specifically what he did in terms of what he created, how he repurposed it, the actionable things you can do once you start creating this type of content to get it out there and see what sticks. So if you want both, you can definitely get that in here, the actionable with a little bit more of the, what I call intangible. And I'm going to get into that next. So as much as I think I'm combining other subjects and ideas into my content, Like I said, I know I'm holding myself back. I have been talking to my mentor about this a lot recently. And so I differentiate the things I want to discuss in two ways, tangible and intangible. So for example, I feel like I've started a million sentences with so today. I love love calling myself out while I'm recording. (laughs) I hope you do too. For example, the intangible is all of the actionable business content. Think how to the documenting of processes, sharing case studies, courses on doing something specific, whether that's a free course or not. So I'm teaching something about email marketing, step-by-step guides, etc. The thing with the how-to content and all of the tangible is you also want to be careful that, and this was probably more relevant when SEO, and you guys, I'm not an SEO expert, okay? Just saying that right now. But you wouldn't want to create a business simply on how to do this, how to do that, which I did with WordPress. And I got a lot of freebie seekers. And I got a lot of people who would just email me questions like I was a free help desk, because there wasn't a balance between gated how to, i.e. you pay for this, and free stuff. So 
you also don't want to become that person that ranks for how to. So they find you unless your model is maybe advertising. Okay, so there, there's a lot there, or you have to be crystal clear about the free how to, and then the paid uh, alternative or next step, right? But the intangible is all of the content that isn't a one size fits all. Whereas most tangible content can be applied as is, right? So let's say I give you any um, a strategy, like I've got um, a lot of training uh, on email marketing. And I'm trying to think of one, a specific lesson. So there's a specific sales sequence process and you can, I've got um, create the ultimate sales sequence. There's swipe files. There's a structure to those sequences. There's recommended sending. There is, and then there's videos that step you through the sample, the sample sales suite sequence. And I explain to you, this is how this fits on this. And this is, you know, I explain the whole thing. So there's an actual process for applying that, a framework, if you will. Now, of course, you can apply frameworks to intangible because that's probably one of my most favorite things to do. But boy, does it look different. And I'm going to give you a real specific example from the retreat that I held in Costa Rica recently with Liz, uh, Liz Weaver. And it was wild to see the differences. But here are some of my examples of the intangible. And I'm saying, I'm clarifying that these are my examples because it's what I relate to intangible. Because again, this is not a one size fits all. So I think mindset is intangible. Talking about how the work you're doing makes you feel, that is key. Remember my phrase, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. Spirituality, thoughts and ideas, personal experiences that impact our day-to-day lives, belief systems, what they are, how to shift them, etc., energy and alignment. Because as much as I love marketing and being a part of this landscape, I love everything I just shared with you as much, maybe a little more even. But I've always, how do you create a business out of that? And here's the funny thing. My mentor says to me, "Uh, you know, how long have you been paying me for intangible? 20 years? So there we go. And when I stop to think about the investment I have made in learning about this stuff, books, well, books, authors, audio, all the same thing. Um, you know, it's funny. I just realized, I'm like, I don't think I've bought any courses that go that route. I probably would have bought courses earlier on, but I've done so much work with my mentor. Um, I'm quite content to just work with her and take what I learned from books and and speakers and authors and whatnot. YouTube's a big one for me. Um, I love learning about new concepts. And I was, have I shared this? I don't know if I've shared this with you guys. You like that? I asked a question waiting for an answer like you can give one. But if I had a little more time to study, and I'd say I'd learn a smidgy about it through authors, but I am so fascinated by neuroscience and the the power, not the power of the mind, but the mind body connection. Um, so I love learning about that. And speaking of learning, guys, like I was telling Liz, I'm like I would love to become really good at Photoshop and Illustration. Like I can teach you that. I'm like, girl, you got a full business. Like, but there's a lot of things I want to learn. I want to pull out my watercolors and get better in that. Right. So I follow. There's a handful of 
I don't know what I would classify these as, but creators. Okay. So there's a lot of creators out there that teach how to incorporate visual elements, um, sketch noting or doodling, creating visuals to, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but like visual metaphors and stuff. I would love to be able to, not to be able to, but I would love to learn more about doing that, right? And so much of this is a time factor. I could find enough time to play with a little bit of this. But anyways, that being said, okay, all of my intangibles, I also bring all of that to the tangible work I do. It's just, I have the hardest time defining it. So I was talking again with my friends, Liz and Tess, instead of this mini mastermind, I've talked about them. So we were having a call and and I was talking about this epiphany and this video and what I'm doing with it and how I feel like I'm structuring my own framework from this that I can dig deeper with. Like this is the stuff that it's just, ugh. can you hear? Like I just want to sink my teeth, sink my teeth into it. Um, Liz was great. She's like, working with you is like an energy bomb. And I freaking love that. I really, really love that. At the same time, I'm like, how do I define what I do? Because it is strategy. So as an example, and I'm going to tag on the example I wanted to give from the retreat. At the retreat, right, I did like four hot seats. That's my sweet spot is working with people individually in a group and saying, what is your problem? Let's talk this through. I ask questions and the questions can be from how does that make you feel to do you actually want to do this work? Or let's let's strategize and map out a plan to launch your newsletter or create an email campaign or whatever it is. And But it's finding the words and the space to define all this. But it was incredibly helpful hearing Liz and Tess give me feedback on this. Um, because truly, I bring my personality, my heart, and my knowledge to my work. I think we all do. So as much as um, I think we're all special snowflakes, right? <laughs> so I can say that. But my personality is mine. So that's what I'm speaking to. Um, it's just not something I've ever had an easy time being able to explain and describe what I do. So I have been shit at asking for testimonials and feedback for as long as I can remember. Way better this last year. Like I said, all of this is changing. So that is my public declaration. Um, But I want to read, I'm going to read a testimonial. Actually, I'm going to pause here and jump back to the two elements I want to talk about. I talked about the hot seats at the retreat. And then the other piece was this idea of things being open to interpretation with intangible, okay? And that is that we had um, we had the women do an exercise, and it started with a template, and it was a, a visual of a woman, and then we guided them through what this was supposed to be. And Liz had already done hers. It was great. And she explained what she did with hers so that they understood the exercise, and I'm not giving it out here because you have to come to one of our events to get it. Um, but, oh my gosh, the from the women who were there and I did mine, it was amazing, the differences and the interpretations and how people processed. It was just, it was so wild. And that was a small sampling of four women. So... That's why when I talk about the intangible and 
being able to sort of put frameworks and structure to it, but yet it's not. It's because I think the outcome is is the intangible. You can present an exercise or framework, but the outcome is going to be incredibly unique. Okay, back to the testimonials. Just did not want to forget that point, which I promised like three times. This is a a testimonial, and I I'm going to read this. I think I've shared it once before on the podcast, and this is from a coaching client that I did a 90 minute session with on how to use ChatGPT in her business. So obviously, this was months ago, just because a lot of people are getting much more proficient at this. But so many people, I think, are still probably approaching it with more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not pragmatic, but just dry. It gets really fun. AI gets really fun when you do this in a conversational manner. Anyways, I did this 90-minute session with this woman, and here is the testimonial she gave me. You nailed down more in 90 minutes than I've been able to in 90 days. I've been up since 4.30 this morning. That's actually normal for me, but I've knocked out more content for myself and a few clients today than I usually do in a week. ChatGPT is pure gold, but honestly, without your rock star guidance, it was just a cooler than most new tool. I came to the call with high expectations. I knew it would be time and money well spent, but it didn't take me long to realize this girl didn't have a clue. I expected to learn some new ways to use ChatGPT to grow my business, but girl, I left with so much more. I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom and your energy. I was already stoked about my project, but every time I sat down to pull my ideas together, I would get caught up hopping from one rabbit hole to another, trying to connect the dots between different content pieces. Every step I took seemed to lead to something that had to be done before I moved forward. You nailed down more in 90 minutes than I've been able to in 90 days. If anyone is on the fence about booking a call, let me just say this. Let me just say this is, without a doubt, the best money I've invested in the last five years. I showed up with lists and ideas. I left with content for a landing page, follow-up email series, at least 10 fresh ideas for additional content and bonus offers, income-generating bonus offers, yes, a PhD in ChatGPT. But the real gold was watching you do your thing. You didn't feed me for a day, you taught me to fish. You didn't just pop my ideas into ChatGPT and wait to see what it spits out. You connected with me and expanded on my ideas. The results would not have been the same without your marketing genius and creative energy. Thank you for sharing your spark. You've reignited the fire in my business and I can't wait to see how far it spreads. Rebecca Havard. Whew, you guys, like that, it just, that blew me away and it made my day and clearly still all of this, I'm I'm hoping, I want people to start looking at, one, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? How do you want to integrate all pieces of you so that you start enjoying your business more? Because the truth is, we we do need to produce. We do need to create in this space. You have to be publishing. But for those of us who get really bored trying to find content to publish around keywords, I'm really hoping this has lit a fire in you because for me, this feels like a fresh starting point. I'm both incredibly excited and a wee bit nervous about stepping into this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And here's the other piece of this is that, you know, Dan's ideas in this video are not necessarily earth shattering or new, but they're new in this space, at least in my travels. Okay. Safe to say. I hardly needed permission to step into all of this, but, but, I will say that his video was kind of a swift kick in the ass I needed. 
I needed this reminder to say, what are you waiting for? And I've been in this space in my life, honestly, this moving back from Costa Rica this year and just the things that I've been stepping into. It really is a, what are you waiting for? What? And it sounds harsh and I don't, it's much more of a, girl, it's time. It's time. And not to mention focusing on the tangible. My mentor was cracking up the other day. I'm like, uh, it's not like the tangibles brought in all the money I want anyway. So why not try something different? And I have preached so many times about getting clarity through the doing. And my last point before I bid the farewell today is that let's go back. And this is off the cuff here. I didn't write this out, but let's go back to pre-internet or think about think about people that you follow and have different businesses outside of this space per se. The two that come to mind for me are are two females that I adore and that is Brené Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert, right? Eat Pray Love and she's done a bunch of other stuff. But do you think before they started doing their work, they stepped back and said, "Who is my audience? Who am I creating for?" blah 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 blah. No. No. I mean, you could probably take any author that has created, you know, has has written from that heart-centered place. And that doesn't mean that you don't hire book coaches or or you don't follow some of that. But I think what's missing is that people have been creating, producing, publishing, and selling and and running businesses long before the internet, long before there was narratives owned by marketers, okay? <laughs> I am a marketer, but you don't have to do those things. Well, meaning you don't have to stop and say, what is my niche? How do I find, how do I create my space? You're not going to come up with those answers off the top of your head, it's through producing, it's through showing up, it's through engaging and and connecting and having conversations with people and putting stuff out there and making offers and all of those things. So what this looks like for me, I'm not super clear on. It's just that, what podcast episode was it? It was probably, I don't know, a few episodes back where I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go ahead and just do whatever it is I want to do. But somehow. I I don't want to say I was still holding myself back. I think I was trying to find that intersection of what does this look like? How do I do it? And this video just helped me get a little bit clearer on that. So one thing that does mean, guys, is you will hear me continually talk about mindset, about how doing the work, how the work you're doing makes you feel. I'm going to pull more spirituality, thoughts and ideas, personal experiences, you know, working through belief systems. And I'm, I'm going to talk a lot more about energy and alignment. I live my life from, from these places. This is a huge, this is kind of like my core piece, as well as just the joy that I find in the simple things in life. I want to talk more about finding those elements. And I think there was a fear of bringing in this stuff that feels a lot softer that, well, you know, I'm not going to make a business out of this or it's just, it's wild guys, what we do to ourselves. So 
All I can say is buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. And just uh, I'm going to share everything as it unfolds. Um, I have taken the transcripts from uh, Dan's video and I, I, I even dropped them into ChatGPT, helped me create a framework so that I can answer questions from that framework. And if you guys haven't used ChatGPT for, or AI, whatever your tool of choice is, um, for processing content to create frameworks, it's one of my most favorite things because then that gives me a starting point to start answering questions to, to pull that thing out from me. Anyways, as always, thank you so much for listening. I love you tons. And I am, as I said, this is going out Thanksgiving week in the United States. Just know that I am incredibly thankful for all of you and being on this journey with me. So until next time, have a fantastic morning, afternoon, or evening.